Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, Sly Dog, and I'm so excited to have a good friend of mine, Tracy Robinson. Tracy, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? Is it is it as hot in California as I think it is? Yes, it is unbelievably hot in California, and I there, there was a tear in my eyes. I went to turn off the AC because we're in a flex alert. Ah, yeah. It's, Fun it's times. Pretty, it's pretty brutal. Where are you at? I'm up in Oregon, and uh, we're okay. we're we're coasting between the mid 80s. We're gonna be pushing towards 100, I think, this weekend. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm blaming it all on California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I'm glad to have you on the show, man. Um, so uh, we're gonna talk some Neil Young today, which is someone I've wanted to talk about for. A minute now it's kind of funny i got into neil young after i started doing the show and what i found is neil young much like other fandoms the monkeys kiss tom waits it's a sinkhole that sucks you in and eventually if you're a podcaster you end up talking about that thing you become a fan of so i feel like neil young is very much like that and when i started to get into neil you kind of interacted with me on facebook and were actually kind enough to uh share uh you had a code that got me uh, access to uh, the Neil Young archives. So I also wanted to say thank you for that. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to have on for this. Of course. Yeah. I, uh, I thought you were the, the perfect person to, to share that with. I, it was included in a box set I bought and I'd already, you know, had uh, joined the archives and the idea was to pass along to someone who might make the most of it. It sounds like you have. Oh, totally. I, I will be signing up when the, uh, when the trial ends, because I'm, I love having it. I we'll talk more about it later, but I love the, uh, I love the community of it. And I also like, cause I love physical product too, but I do love that while I wait for my CD to arrive, I can listen to the new one, new archive thing when it drops. So it's very helpful. Yeah. Uh, I, I have tons of albums, tons of CDs, but the convenience of streaming, especially through his website where you can get that high def stream uh, is definitely worth it and the other things the other bonuses like the movies and stuff yep i did want to ask are you at the level where like you get the zoom call with neil i am not i think that's is that the rust level i'm not too sure yeah, that, but that, that's rust level that's that's too rich for my blood okay. and i would miss <laughs> i would miss those anyway you know i i'm always uh, a little behind uh so i i I'm right up to the point. I don't have super priority if I want to make a request, but I'm higher than, you know, the, just the regular folks. If it's, so it's like somewhere between like the, the, the rust and there's like the classic level, which is what I have, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of like uh, you're backstage, but you don't meet anybody. The, the other ones have the all access passes, I think. It's, nice. You know. Very cool. So let's get right oh, into yeah. it. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is your origin story? When did you get into Neil Young? What brought you into the fandom initially? I was familiar with uh, Neil, of course, through Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Uh, and then I first became aware of him in the early days of MTV. And uh, one of his early videos for the song Wondering, and uh, I think it's from the Every, Everybody's Rockin' album. Yep. 
And it was one that he had done with uh, Crazy Horse uh, 10 years earlier that was never released. So it was a, it was a weird video, as you would expect. And uh, I thought, well, th this guy's neat. And then there was this notes for you and the whole controversy about that. And I became more aware of him. And that set me up for his big renaissance, which was the Freedom album. And uh, appearances like the one he had on Saturday Night Live when he just you know blew the doors off the place. So following all that, I bought Decade. And then it just, that just launched me into, you know, the exploration that continues today because he keeps releasing new stuff and old stuff. That's super cool. I, I love that it started with such like a inter, like an interesting thing, like wondering, like that's, you know, that's an interesting jumping on point. Yeah. Well, he didn't know, like that's Neil Young. Cause I thought of him more as like a, maybe a folky or a rocker, but he was kind of just like a, you know, you would think he was just starting out in the business. It wasn't, it wasn't his normal image in that video and it didn't sound like him necessarily. Um, right. What I was accustomed to. Right. Yeah. And, and what, what we learn as we go on is that Neil just kind of sounds like whatever the fuck he wants to sound like. That's very true. He, uh, is one of the few that is consistently changing, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, I think Elvis Costello has sort of done that and Joni Mitchell and, you know, I could probably name five other people, but Neil is not afraid to not only change, but change in a split second, like halfway through a project or halfway through a tour. Yeah. He'll, he'll just get, he'll follow his muse uh, to whatever it's taking to uh, next, no matter who he hurts along the way. Right, like like the Stephen Stills tour in the seventies, for example, where he was just like, "I'm done, <laughs> see ya." Yep, yeah, the famous letter that you know ends with "Eat a peach," and yep. that that was it. Stills had to finish out the tour on his own. Yep. Uh, quick, quick sidebar: that is a weird album, by the way. It's like yacht rock mixed with Neil Young. Such a strange record, the Stills Young yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah, Stills, you know, I like a lot of his stuff, but some of his stuff kind of, I don't know, it does, It seems to, yeah, he was Yacht Rock before it was Yacht Rock, yeah. but, um, and yeah, it just didn't seem, it seemed more like the the remnants of what was going to be a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young album. Yeah. And, you know. Yes. Well, that's a good starting point, man. Mine was a, mine was in a, it started around 2019. I'd always kind of been aware of Neil. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of classic rock radio and rocking in the free world. That was I remember hearing that a lot. I remember hearing Heart of Gold. Um, and my first memory of him is I remember actually listening to Heart of My Heart of Gold, uh, rocking in the free world. Not just you know like you know I feel like most people listen to that song and they go you know like it's the dumb you know throw your hand in the air like yeah rock and roll type of thing but they're not actually listening to the lyrics and i remember being in the car and paying really close attention to being like oh this is not like a happy rock and roll song this is a right there's some weight to this um and i just remember that striking me at a really young age i didn't like go out and get any of his music then but i remember being like huh that's really interesting so fast forward to 2019 i had kind of it seemed like he was getting recommended to me a lot like like 
internet sites I use would be like, you know, oh, you like Tom Waits and you like Nick Cave. So why don't you try Neil Young? And I was like, that kind of makes sense. Let, let me let me just give it a try. So I bought I bought Harvest and I bought Freedom. And I enjoyed Harvest quite a bit. Freedom, I thought was kind of weird. And I was kind of like, it just didn't click with me right away. I wasn't sure why, but I kept trying. I got after the gold rush and I was kind of like, eh. So I kind of drifted away for a second. And then, then the pandemic hit and I was like, let me give this another try. So I got Russ Never Sleeps and that was what did it for me. Like that, like the heavier stuff on that album was like what really hooked me in. The acoustic stuff is really cool too, but man, I love it when he plays with Crazy Horse. That was what really hooked me in. And then Homegrown came out not long after that. And then it was just, that just kind of sealed the deal. Like I, I was in, I was like, okay, I want to hear everything he's done or at least try to. And that's right. kind of been the exploration journey I've been on. I still haven't heard everything yet, but I've heard a lot of it. And uh, I've got like a big drawer of his CDs right now, like just next to me, like it's got like e almost everything in it. And it's just been so fun to like hear the different phases of his career. Like I like it when artists change or aren't afraid to try something new. Like to me, he's a bit like Prince. Um, like, you yeah. know, he, he doesn't really care uh, like what you think he's going to do, what he wants to do. He's like the most, one of the artists that's probably the most true to himself as as he could be like in you know record sales and bandmates be damned like he's gonna do what he wants to do and that really impressed me as did his playing like there's something like i want to talk about his guitar playing a little bit too there's something so primal and caveman about the way he plays an electric guitar you know what i mean like the way he oh yeah yeah it does that thing nothing sounds like it no you know live it, it just it rattles and it it's it's incredible the the first time uh i saw him uh the first time i saw him was acoustic the second time it was crazy horse and you know night and day especially the live experience of it and yeah the way his guitar just it it hits you and it washes over you and it's he's you know maligned but also respected by the same person at times, you know, he's, he's not a, a sh you know, a shredder, at, you know, Eddie Van Halen, or uh, he's not Chet Atkins, but uh, he's certainly unique. And uh, I defy uh, anyone to, to match him, you know, what he does. Cause I think he's the only one that knows what pedals to touch and where to set his dials. Yeah, definitely. I think part of it is also, I feel like it, someone else doing it wouldn't work unless you're doing it the way he does it in that. I think he's just literally, it's the joy of playing live. It's the joy of playing music. Even if like you're, you're not a shredder, you're not a virtuoso, like it's the joy of just being in a band and hammering it out. Like sometimes when I listen to those crazy horse albums, like I kind of get the same feeling I got when I used to play in garage bands. Like, you know, like, you know, it's not, they're not the most talented musicians in the world, although they're very talented. It's just the passion and the, the playing and the drive that comes through, through those songs. Like that carries it more than anything. Yeah. They, they are, uh, you know, the, the best garage band that's been going strong in one form or another uh, for what, almost 54 years, something like that. Um, it's yeah, they're not, it's it's not going to see uh, I don't know yes or uh, even rush you know great groups fantastic live bands but they yeah they're just they become a, 
a thing, you know, as Neil calls it, the horse. Yeah. And uh, it it's either gal galloping along nicely, or you know, like it, it can come to a screeching halt, you know, for whatever reason. And it, it's it's incredible experience live. Yeah. And his guitar tone, man. I, I to me, I imagine the first time I heard it. I remember like the first time I heard like sedan delivery or like uh hey hey my my at the end of that album it sounds yeah. like his amps are on fire or at least i imagine that they're like smoldering like yes so harsh yeah yeah i i don't know if there's any sort of record of how much stuff he burned through or if he just had it modified enough that it could handle that sort of abuse but yeah there was no you know, it didn't go to 11. It was just 10. And 10 was really, really, really loud and, and distorted. Yep. Absolutely. So, have you ever go have you ever seen the video of him teaching uh, Meryl Streep how to play an electric guitar? No, but that sounds really interesting. Yeah, she did a movie a few years ago. I can't remember. So I get, it got really bad reviews. But she played this woman who decided to be a rock and roll star or whatever. And it involved some of Neil's backing band being her backing band. And he was just saying, yeah, you take this dial and you turn it all the way up and you turn it. That's the sound you want. You know, it's not, it was <laughs> that simple. It's just, just push it to the max and, and play what you want to play. Yeah. You picture Meryl Streep, you know, getting all, you know, into the role. <laughs> Holding old black. <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. Um, yeah. So I think I'll put the first song of the night here. I think we're going to kick things off with uh, roll, roll Another Number for the Road. It's too dark to put the keys in my ignition. And the morning sun is yet to climb my hood ornament. For too long I might see those flashing red lights Look out, Mama, cause I'm coming home tonight I think I'll roll another number for the road I feel it
talk about uh like why why we why we keep coming back to needle um what what is the continued spark for you that like keeps bringing you back just not knowing what i'm gonna hear or see the next time you know he puts something out or comes around it's uh it's been 30 years of seeing him one form or another and uh i'm always walking away amazed at, at what I hear. And, you know, a lot of times you'll go see an artist and they'll play new songs and it won't register with you the first time you hear it. Uh, but his usually do. And then I'll look back and see, oh, I, I didn't even know that was that song. You know, with him, it came out three years later on an album. You know, it was just in its early form at that point, you know, you're not going to go there. It's not going to be a Vegas review show. It's yeah. going to be whatever he's feeling with whoever he wants to surround himself with. Yeah. It's and, not a great, I, I, I noticed that when I started getting into him, I looked at his set list online. They're not greatest hit shows. He might throw you a bone. He might do helpless or rocking in the free world. But for the most part, you're going to get stuff that you wouldn't, that wouldn't be on like a greatest hits collection or something like that. It's whatever he wants to play. It's usually new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, depending on what it, what it's about, it could be environmental, political. Uh, it could be his new relationship. It could, you know, there's always going to be a part of his audience that I'll be like, all right, I gotta, you know, I'll, I'll wait for the next bus. Uh, this is, this is yeah. not the one I'm going to hang out with, but uh, that's the beauty of it. Another bus is going to be coming down uh, the road. You know, it could be uh, six months or a year later and it's Neil doing a, you know, electric set. You know, he's, yeah. I, I would have never thought crazy horse would have reformed with, uh, with the guys um, with Nils Lofgren joining it. But uh I've enjoyed that and uh, fully support it. You know, you, they get to define who's crazy horse and, uh, and it's uh, I think it's worked out well, especially if you saw any of those live shows that they did. Um, I think it was 2019. Uh, they did a few gigs and it was just, it was great. You could tell they were enjoying it. What, what was the first tour you saw them on? So this would have been the one uh, leading up to Harvest Moon. Okay, so it was like the shows where he was just doing acoustic stuff. Like Solo that. acoustic, yeah. yeah. Surrounded by, you know, guitars, banjo, pump organ, uh, 
a piano and he did his thing where he just walks around and you know plays whatever you know instrument he wants and yeah so that was one of those shows i didn't know i think a, a third of what he played but it was great and uh it was uh it was at spac i don't know if you're familiar with spac it's saratoga uh performing arts center it's in upstate new york and uh it's one of the earliest sheds you know outdoor covered venues with the big lawn and uh i went with my brother and we had decent seats and it was just uh captivating to say the least it was you know incredible to see some someone do something so simple and uh yet have everybody just eating out of his hand because it was you know it was neil freaking young and that's right before harvest moon even came out wasn't it yes it was it was probably just a couple months before it came out it was late june 1992 wonder if that ended up on dreaming man it did not it did not make it i've looked at you know the sources for that and it didn't i wish he would have if he had strayed from just re uh replicating the album tracks and put on hitchhiker which he did it was the last time he it was the last time he did hitchhiker in 1992 and uh he did it on a 12 string guitar the one and only uh time he did it that way and it's it was incredible i'd never heard the song before that that time and i'd never really heard him sing a song quite that personal it was like whoa yeah that's crazy that's on a Hitchhiker is on, well, it's on Hitchhiker, but it's on, before that it was on uh, Hawks and Doves. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't think it, I think it remained unreleased until um, he did that, that vinyl release. Oh, well, it was an album release called Hitchhiker. It was those uh, dozen songs that he recorded those sessions yeah yeah i i think it it was officially uh first released on that uh daniel lenoir um that's what it was okay yeah which was yeah i enjoy that album Uh, i think uh a lot of the fans have started to really enjoy it because it's it it's a whole experience you know listening to that album is, is i always wanted those two to work together and uh, they certainly didn't disappoint me when when they came out with that. It sounded like it was interesting to make. Yeah, that's a trippy album. Like I, I've only listened to it once. I listened to it. Uh, there's another. There's a Neil Young podcast where they're going through all the albums called Long Me Young. Young. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's re- really entertaining. And I listened to it before they got to that one, and I really liked it. I've been meaning to go back to it. But yeah, that's a that's a great song I, that's so cool you got to see that live too was there much like was it mostly like harvest moon stuff or was it just a little bit of harvest moon and then like some obscurities uh it, well i happen to have the set list right here oh, sorry. um it's, so forgot about this. yeah he uh he opened with long may you run okay. and then uh did unknown legend uh from hank to Hendren and uh you and me uh and old king 
and and that was it oh and such a woman that that was it from that but so that's like a six out of the 18 songs i think that he did um so it was you know it was a, a smattering he didn't group them all together like a lot of you know groups would like here's here's a medley from our new album he just yeah. sort of weaved it in there like he'd been playing it for the last 20 years and so, you know the way he is too. He the way he plays and the way his songs are. You know, start out. A lot of times people think they're hearing, oh yeah, this is this is old man or something like that, and it's not. It just kind of sounds like it. It's kind of funny. You, you see that see that at different shows, but he's pretty good at like, oh yeah, I think he's going into you know something off a of harvest, and it's a brand new song. It just sort of <laughs> you know starts the same way. I wonder if that's intentional because I know he kind of likes to be a bit of an antagonist. So I, I feel like there's there's almost some intention to that. Like psych. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he he does enjoy that and yeah. and does enjoy people, you know, uh, not being fulfilled. You know, I think he'll always play Heart of Gold. He has to play that. Yeah. You know, especially if he's doing an acoustic set. But um, beyond that, I don't think he feels obligated to to play anything. Which, I, yeah, I admire him for that. Yeah, yeah. The stones on that guy. <laughs> yeah, the balls, brass balls, huge. Yes, huge. <laughs> so what, what Crazy Horse tour did you end up seeing? Uh, so I saw them in 96. Ooh. Yeah, and then, uh, and then the following year, 97, which was when they were the headliners on the Horde tour. And uh, and then I didn't see him again until uh, the Greendale shows in 2003, 2004. Oh, wow. You got to see some of those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up seeing two of those. I saw one in Washington and Portland. And uh, those are that was something else, too. Holy cow. Like it's it's a play. It's an album. It's a, yeah. it's a protest. Those were those were great shows. You know, they do Greendale and then they do you know five or six classics to close out the night. Yeah, I heard that was a bit of a controversial tour. I don't think people knew he was going to do that when he started that tour. Right. Yeah, you did think you know you show up and see what was you know, presented as like a you know a community play. You know, it's not wasn't sophisticated sets or trained actors but these people were you know acting out a story uh that he was singing it was it was strange it was like an opera but it was one voice you know and one in in a rock and roll band and everybody was just miming to to what he was singing or or acting out something that he was singing about it was i'd never seen anything like it before and probably won't uh, but it'd be fun, you know, years from now, people trying to recreate it in his absence. Yeah, it is fascinating to me. The, like the, the weird thing about that album to me is I love it. But there's really no they're not they're songs, but they're not traditionally structured songs. There's no verse, chorus, verse, chorus. But right. Except for Be the Rain, maybe Be the Rain's kind of the exception to the rule. Yeah. But they still stick with you. You, you never really get bored. No, no, and it's a it's a story that you can follow, sort of, but you don't, you know, it's like little vignettes from the lives of these people, 
in, in Greendale. So you've got a bunch of things that sort of come together and then, you know, the big finale, uh, be the rain, which, you know, I, I wish he, he, he does bust it out every once in a while, but you know, I'm surprised he just didn't hold on to that one. Cause it is a, it's a good one. Yeah. That, that song, that's one of those songs, like, you know, a song is good when the hairs on your arm stands up. Yes. That, that one does it for me. When I, when I was listening to uh, return to Greendale last night and just, uh, just thinking about it right now, just got chills. Yeah. It's so it's so cool. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun to see that play out live. Um, and audiences just went went wild for it. At least in the Pacific Northwest, I don't know. You know, uh, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if they played Peoria, but who knows how it would have would would have done there. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I still haven't had the pleasure to see him yet. I I, I wonder if he'll tour again sometimes, just because the way things are now. But well, yeah, he's now now it's how they're going to get around because of. You know, he doesn't want to use dirty fuels to to transport or, you know, uh, I think the whole production needs to be uh, undertaken with green uh, electricity or fuel. Down to the venue, it sounds like he wants to, you know, he doesn't want to make the world any worse, which, you know, dangle enough green stuff in front of the guy, he might, you know, do a one-off here and there, but yeah, I think touring wise, I don't, I don't know if he'll, he'll be satisfied one way or the other. And there's a number of factors working into that. Yeah. I, I would go see like, if he was, if he were to do some type of like one-off event and it were, were doable, I would totally go see him just to kind of check that off. Like sol solo acoustic, promise of the real crazy horse, whatever it wants to be. I would just, just for the experience, go see him. Yeah. And yeah, I, you know, it's one of those, uh, if he's close enough and, you know, pull, pull the trigger, go see him because he, you're going to love it. He, even, even if he's phoning it in, he, he's phoning in some really good stuff. I've never seen him phone it in, but you know, everybody gets an off night. Um, I don't know if you followed the Elvis Costello stuff. Hate to veer off here, but Elvis Costello's no, on, bring it, bring it on. <laughs> Elvis Costello's on tour right now. He's yeah. not anywhere near me, but uh, he's playing all all over the place. And sounds like most nights he's hitting, you know, all the right notes. And then some nights people are just, you know, walking out disgusted. I'm like, oh, that's that's showbiz, especially when you're when you're in a big tour. I mean, you can't you just can't do that over and over again. Um, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd pay to see a bad Elvis Costello show over uh, pretty much anybody. I've only seen him a couple of times. Yeah, cause at least it'll be interesting. Like like people like Neil Young and Elvis Costello and I'll, I'll throw Joe Jackson in the mix. They keep yeah. it interesting with their set lists. Like they're not gonna like just, you're not gonna see the same thing year in, year out. So yep. even if it's an off night, you're still gonna see something you've never seen before. So I, I, do, I do give him props for that. Well, it's, you know, when the Rolling Stones go on tour, they're going to do the same and nothing wrong with it. They're going to do the same sort of stuff in Europe and North America and South America. And that's, you know, that's what you go to expect uh, with Neil Young and Elvis Costello. They do a tour and then the next tour that they do, it could be in the States or over in Europe or wherever. It'll be a completely different setup. It'll be, you know, a different backing band or different, you know different song selection 
which uh, makes it interesting. If you want to catch every tour, good luck. You'll, you'll go broke. Yeah. I, I got two more questions for you about the live stuff. Have you seen him with Promise of the Real? Yeah. In fact, the, the last time I saw him, uh, and it was one of the last concerts I went to for a couple of years, uh, was in Eugene. Uh, it was May. I should remember this. It was my daughter's birthday, uh, May 23rd. And it was uh, it was a great show. It was better than I expected. He uh, has a nice setup with them. And I think it's kind of similar to what McCartney has, where you've got these guys who can play his whole catalog. And, you know, you just Neil just plugs himself in so they can do his harvest stuff. And then they did, you know, like an Inca. Oh, wow. Uh, off a, yeah. Which blew my mind. Uh, they could they could go country to uh, you know avant garde if they wanted to and and it worked well they're they're really they're a really good backing band a lot of people I wouldn't say a lot but some people in the fandom kind of you know brush them off as just you know just that a backing band but they've uh, they've done well and obviously he likes touring with them because he's done quite a bit of it. I'll get more into them later, but but I will say I was impressed with what I heard on Noise and Flowers. They sound great together. So, yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. And then my, my other thing uh, related to live stuff was like, so you've, you've seen kind of like, I'd say the main permutations, Crazy Horse, Solo, Promise of the Real. Did you see any of the stranger one-off ones? Like I know there was one late 90s where he had like backing singers and that, that road rock album came out of that. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been 2000. Uh, uh, I saw him in August of 2000. I was in North Carolina at the time. I think I saw him in Raleigh. And yeah, that was interesting. Um, that's when Peggy started to sing backup. It was Peggy and his sister, uh, Astrid, were the backup singers for that tour. And uh, it was a good show. It wasn't, you know, uh, it, it wasn't blistering like uh, Crazy Horse, but it it had some good uh, deep cuts in it that I didn't expect seeing live. And, and it was, you know, you could tell the band uh, was getting along, but I think it was a, it was definitely a strange, strange era for Neil that hasn't really, you know, started to come to light until recently with like that uh, release of toast, you know, you get a better idea of what might've been going on uh, in his, in his life. And uh, it was uh, it was a fun tour, although we were sitting we had really good seats and uh, those baby boomers. Yeah, I'm talking to you, baby boomers. <laughs> Some older fans were kind of looking at myself and my wife like, why are you here? You know, because we were much younger than them. And uh, we ended up moving up to the lawn because uh, it, we could dance up there. Right. It wasn't it wasn't a dancing section and you really wanted to at times. Yeah, I, I deal with that at shows I go to. Like, I, I, I've learned not to stand and dance a lot at a lot of shows I go to now. Because I get yeah. a lot of classic rock, so because you just end up pissing off the boomers. So <laughs> it's like there should be sections, you know? Yeah. Let, <laughs> right. Everybody uh, should be able to enjoy the show in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, other, other than that part of it, we had a good time. Any CSNY shows? Yeah. So, uh, I, we saw them later on. I think it was this. No, it was earlier that year uh, in 2000. Um, 
we had caught them in Charlotte at the uh, Charlotte Coliseum. And that was a, that was fantastic. That was like, I'd never thought they would get back together, much less tour. And uh, I enjoyed the album um, looking forward. I thought that was good. My minus a Graham song and uh, <laughs> well, I, you could remove any of the other threes, one of their songs and it would be all, all right. But um, it, as a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young album, it was actually pretty decent. And, and the tour was decent. And, and then they toured two years later and we, we caught two of those shows. I, I would take uh, Looking Forward over American Dream any day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Misguided. Like many, many of that uh, age group, for some reason, in the 80s, they you know, had a problem embracing their former selves and wanted to sound more modern. And uh, it wasn't always successful. Yeah. say the least <laughs> unfortunately I, I do have a question about the CSNY show because I've always been curious you know Neil's such a dominating force in whatever he does musically and there he kind of has to he has to share the spotlight he has to share it with Stills he has to share it with David he has to share it with Graham um, like does he does he kind of seem to overpower them in a way or or are they pretty good about keeping a balance and letting, letting everybody kind of have their moment the way their shows are structured, uh, you know, one or more of them will be absent from the stage, which gives, you know, gives them a chance to, you know, you can hear, uh, you know, uh, Nash and, and Crosby do Guinevere and not have, you know, anybody else mucking it up. Uh, but yeah, he definitely, because he's usually, uh, especially the electric set, he, he just, you can't miss him in the mix, but he and Stills together are just incredible. Like, I wish they would find a way to do something. They forget the other two. Just, I'll take the the finish off the Stills Young tour. You know, <laughs> before before you leave the planet, just give us a few dates uh, because they they uh, you could tell they played together for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, I think both of those tours. Uh, Neil had a big say in exactly how the set list was going to be and who was who was going to be the backing band, particularly the second one that I saw, the 2002 tour. I think he had a bigger say in that, which was, I think that was the Booker T and the MGs um, backing band with oh, Crosby really? Stills. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting combination. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Knew, I knew he did that album with them. But I didn't know he took them out with uh, Crosby Stills and Nash. Yeah, yeah, because he did the tour, I think it was 93, originally yeah. with Booker T. And, and then um, the second time around, he had them as a backup band, um, I think. Could be, I could have that reversed too. But it was, uh, yeah, they, they worked well together. It was, it was great. Very cool. Well, I want to throw in a live track here. Do you got one you want to pick? I picked the first track of the night. You want to pick a live track to slot in right here for our next subject? I'm always in the mood for a good Like a Hurricane. Nice. I think I'm going to go with uh, the one from Way Down in the Rust Bucket. We like the deep wound way down in the rust bucket for this one.
that's a good uh, transitional piece. Uh, I want to talk about the archives and some of the releases. Not all of them because there's there's a lot. We'd be here all night. But it seems like in the last couple of years, the archives has really been, especially since I became a fan, pushing out the product. Like there's been just a, an absolute glut of stuff coming out of the archives. And I'm reading Shaky right now, and it seems like he's been talking about this for ages like like do you remember like the first time you kind of heard like rumblings of like a neil young archive yeah well it was originally going to be decade two that was like the in the in the late 80s uh you know it was planned at that point he was gonna you know do the sequel to that collection to cover what he had done in you know the the past 10 years you know late late 70s to late 80s but that never materialized and then, um, starting in the early '90s, uh, the it started to be referred to as the Neil Young Archives. But uh, you didn't know exactly what form. You know, was it going to be one big set? Was it going to be a, you know, a continuing series of sets? Um, and it's been kind of both. You know, he's he's given the big sets, but all of this, you know, unreleased albums and unreleased shows, or at least official releases of shows that 
people may have been familiar with through bootlegs. Uh, I, I wish other bands would, would do what he does. I mean, some kind of do, uh, but to provide not only the digital access to it, to also put it out in, you know, CD and quality vinyl and, you know, give, give his fans every opportunity to buy it with whatever form would suit their needs, which in our case is probably a couple of different forms. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's like me uh, buying pet sounds for the 15th time, you know, it's like, well, I don't have this copy, you know, <laughs> sure. I have other copies, but I don't have this copy. <laughs> I, I swear I saw on a Beach Boys meme page recently, like I, like something about like, you know, me buy, buying the, the 50th anniversary of Pet Sounds while looking forward to the 60th anniversary edition of Pet Sounds. That's yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Speculating. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when the website or like the app went live? Because like I didn't know that existed until I got really into Neil Young and people started it. Like on that podcast I mentioned, they always mentioned the archives and using the app. So that's how I became aware of that that was a thing. Yeah, I guess it would have been 2017. Okay. 2018 around Christmas time. You know, it was kind of, it was a slow release and it was free. It was free initially. So you could get used to it and, you know, understand what he's trying to do. It was on the heels of, uh, you know, the, the first box set and that kind of had the, you know, the idea of the filing cabinet and, you know, organizing things the way he has, but the, the website, yeah, I wish I could remember the exact, the exact year it went live, but it was rolled out for free. And then I think after a year, uh, you could start, uh, you know, paying for more access and, uh, exclusives, whatever those were hadn't quite, uh, progress to the three tier thing that it is now but um you know i followed it i gladly handed over my you know i think it was 20 bucks at that point to to have access to all that stuff and haven't regretted it and purchased a couple for uh friends of mine over the years for christmas gifts you know i knew that they would probably be interested uh, because why not 20 bucks it's a it's a good gift yeah and it's a good way to dive into like neil's world like it the whole again the neil verse exists there there's the buffalo springfield albums there's the crosby sales national young albums there's like a, a newspaper section where like you get like his thoughts on things and there's the hearst theater like there's all of this just glut of all the neil young information you could want all in one place and it's all really quality too yeah and and he really does answer you know questions to the editor if he feels like he has to be the one uh, answering it. Otherwise his, his team, whatever, you know, that consists of, but yeah, if you're getting, you know, a message that's, you know, signed, you know, peace or love or take care. It's, it's from him, which that's, it's great access. And he does that weekly, you know, it's whenever he feels moved. And uh, even if he doesn't, you know, publish, you usually get a, I believe a response. I've never, I would not know uh, where to start uh, right. if I were to, you know, ask a question or something like that. Uh, but I, uh, 
I've been part of the Rust group, which started on Yahoo and has sort of moved over to uh, Facebook and has different branches at this point. But, uh, you know, a few of the people that I've seen post over the years, starting in uh, the Yahoo, uh, you know, mail group, email group, uh, getting their questions answered on, on the uh, letters to the editor page, which is fun because usually they're asking the questions that I would want to ask. Um, right. I, I, I was, I've thought about it before too, but I always feel, feel like, uh, like what, like, cause he can be a little acerbic at times. Like I could just see him giving a one word answer, like no. <laughs> and that right. just being it. <laughs> oh yeah. Like some of his answers are like that. Yeah. I, I haven't seen, we'll look into it or, yeah. you know, his little nuggets of wisdom, which, you know, making as many uh, good and bad decisions as he's had in his life. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, there are worse people to get uh, that sort of stuff from. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. He's, he's all right. And I, I don't know how many other artists uh, have quite that set up. I know uh, Radiohead has a pretty good website that you can just access and it has, you know, video and audio stuff but um I, niels is a unique experience as as is the artist yeah like like you said i wish other artists would do this like like if if there were a prince portal that like had right. all all that stuff like i'd i'd be in in a second like, like shut up and take my money i'm, I'm doing this <laughs> yeah i i think it's especially for someone who's dead yeah. you know Who's going to make the decision and how does it not involve, no, we've got to release this as something that's going to make money instead of, you know, giving people the access to stream it without having to buy something. Right. But he's, yeah, that would be a fun job to get. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll watch all those videos. I'll, I'll listen to all those tapes. Yep. Same thing with Eddie Van Halen. You know, I, I wouldn't call myself the biggest Van Halen fan, but man, that would be fun to, to go through and catalog and you know go oh my god do you know who he's singing you know on this track this was just recorded in his basement you know you think of all all of these artists that have home studios you know how much of that stuff exists and who gets control of it nice all right i want to touch on a few releases specifically because there's been some that have come out you know since i've been a fan that have just create a lot of talk and I think they're worth bring, mentioning and first up is uh I mentioned earlier way down in the rust bucket um yes. this is him and crazy horse it's like the warm-up shows for the reggae glory tour and the band is just on fire here like this is a you can smell the horse you can oh yeah this one like this is they are absolutely cooking here I can just like feel the heat of this tiny club they're playing in it's such a cool release and it seemed like when it came out like there was a lot of like talk in the fan community like this is one you need to get like this is a, a big deal like was was that kind of your reaction to it too when it came out yeah because uh i don't know if you're familiar with weld which was the official tour yep. uh release from that that big arena tour that they they did yep. and it was that's a great album but it's you know it's polished in in a we're releasing an album on reprise, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's not what I would call slick. There's of course no uh, manipulation auto tune or anything like that since it was no, you know, the early nineties, but uh, 
this, this out this album this release uh is yeah it's caught in the act you know they're it, it that show existed in the trading uh circles as an audience tape for a long time oh wow and, and so i was familiar with it but um the uh hearing the soundboard and seeing the video of it uh is just incredible is there is there a full video of it or is there just like i saw a clip of cinnamon girl on youtube yeah no it's the whole concert oh, wow. yeah you can buy the you can buy the dvd um or or stream it uh through the archives as, yeah i I would love to know what he hasn't documented because that list is probably shorter than what he has. Right. Right. Yeah. He, uh, that's, that's the stuff I love to see. You know, I, I listen to tons of live shows, but, you know, being able to see the setup and just, you know, what it was like at that time. I, I love, I love that sort of time machine. And this was a big Renaissance for him too. Like this is kind of around, so you got decade at the end of the eighties, right? No, decade came out in the late seventies. Well, it came out, so, but you, but you yourself as a oh fan. myself, yes, yes, uh, exactly. You know, so this, I was yeah sophomore, junior, uh, into senior year in high school. So you know, you, I, I had uh, transitioned from Beatles, Beach Boys, Billy Joel, you know, um, monkeys. <laughs> And then uh, I discovered Neil Young's, you know, rock and roll guitar, and it kind of nudged me in, in a slightly different path, uh, different direction. So uh, to to have looked back at like Live Rust and that sort of era, um, then to have them come back together and be kind of the, you know, the new version of that that tour, you know, it seemed like they didn't miss miss a beat even though it was you know, 12 years later, which was, which was crazy. It was like I, the sta stage was set for it too, wasn't it? Like, kind yeah. of like, w like with the way music was changing, like, and people it, call him the godfather of grunge. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, you know, he emerged from that Geffen uh, debacle and <laughs> went, went back and decided, all right, I'm gonna, I guess it's time to make a crazy horse album. Um, even though I think the the last one was two or three years prior to that. Yeah, life was eighty seven, wasn't it? Yeah, but you would have thought, you know, it'd been twenty years. You know, it was just that it it was things were changing so much for him, especially going from that and then doing this notes for you, like a blues review, which yeah, I thought was fantastic. Although I didn't really get into it at the time, but discovering that. And then getting the uh, the live album that they released uh, a few years ago, um, that was just you know who would have guessed Neil Young you know having a a horn section like that doing blues songs that he wrote, and then and then you know, the next thing you know he's back together uh, with Crazy Horse in the early '90s, and oh convenient we've got a war breaking out in the Middle East, and. Uh, he he was suddenly yeah on top of the world again like like he never left yeah he, he just just keeps circling back around it'll like that'll all come out eventually something will line up for him yeah yeah he's got good timing uh, in a lot of instances uh, I don't know if he's uh, 
psychic depression or whatever, but he seems to seems to be right there at the right time. Absolutely, yeah. Way down the rust bucket, but yeah, just for listeners, go check that out. If you want a real taste of like what Crazy Horse sounds like, go check that one out. Um, yeah, live version of T-Bone on it. Oh my God, yeah. So uh, which cool. is, yeah. Oh, no one else could do T-Bone uh, yeah. justice. That's, a, that's unadulterated horse. Yeah. yeah. And a song I wouldn't expect him to pull out, but he, but he did. He pulls out two songs from Reactor on there. Doesn't he do, do Surfer Joe too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, you wouldn't think, you know, especially at that time. It, I, a few years had passed, but um, yeah, they, they do a, a great version of that song must have been fun for them to rehearse it like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna bust this out reactor in general i think is an underrated album in his catalog like it sits in such a weird place between hawks and dove and trans but it really lines up like if you liked like rust never sleeps i think you would love uh reactor yeah yeah i'm so happy to be able to discover that and and really be unfamiliar with um, the entire album you know I, I wasn't uh, there wasn't a greatest hits that had something from that on it you know and it'd been sitting there for I think uh, 10 years or so by the time I had discovered it it, it even existed and to hear it be like what you know and that's that's the beauty you know you you get to dive back into catalogs and bang on the artist you'll be like where did this come from? And there's a lot of that with him. Absolutely. Let's go to something that he put out recently. Um, and I'm going to lean on you a bit for this one because I'm still not solid on the timeline, but we've got Toast here, um, which is an album he did, I want to say in the early 2000s. He recorded these yes. songs and ended up not putting it out and kind of redid them with Booker T and the MGs for Are You Passionate, or at least some of these he did. Um, it's, right. a, it's a strange little crazy horse album. Like there's some rockers on here, like Standing in the Light of Love. And uh, I like Timberline quite a bit. But there's also kind of like a sorrow that hangs over this album. Like I think his marriage was splitting up. Like, do you know anything about this era? Yeah. Uh, prior to this, so he, he did the tour in 87. I mean, 97. And then didn't really do a whole lot with Crazy Horse until this album. And, you know, was working on what became Looking Forward and Silver and Gold, you know, the, the, that batch of songs. And he, uh, he was talking about it, or his people were talking about this album, Toast, that Crazy Horse was going to make. And then all of a sudden, no toast. And then he, he went on that... Uh, friends and family tour you know the, the one that had astrid and his wife singing backup on it and toast just disappeared and uh it, it wasn't said why it was shelved i just something along the lines it just wasn't the the right time for it and it kind of just you know it's like one of those promises that were never fulfilled but people remembered it especially late enough in the internet game that people had talked about it 
but uh, nobody knew exactly what it consisted of. And when uh, Are You Passionate came out, I don't recall anyone saying, yeah, these, you know, some of these songs were originally intended for Toast, um, other than Going Home, uh, yeah. which was the only Crazy Horse song on Are You Passionate? But uh, I would have loved to have caught Crazy Horse in the early 2000s uh, anywhere, but they didn't do a whole lot of gigs here, but they did play some good songs, at least one good show in South America around that time. What did you think of Toast? It's been out a little bit now. Like, did you have you had some time to live with it yet? Yeah, I like it as a, you know a, a later uh, Crazy Horse album. If you follow the progression from let's say uh, Sleeps with Angels uh, onward, you know they were kind of they were kind of more into crafting soundscapes or mm-hmm. sort of feelings instead of that perfect you know four minute rock song they they were kind of you know singing about what they wanted to uh and it it was uh i enjoyed it i parts of it are heartbreaking when you look back at what was possibly going on you know if he was uh unfaithful to her uh, obviously not for the first time and it you know causing a great uh I don't know, upheaval in their personal life, but somehow they, they got it back together. And then, you know, what a year later, nine 11 happens. And, and I think a lot of things changed. A lot of people reevaluated stuff. So who knows uh, where things were headed, you know, if they'd actually patched things up or uh, they just agreed to disagree until their daughter left home. I, I envision one of those type of things. And then, Fast forward to when he had his aneurysm, and that sort of probably stirred things up even uh, more. And and then, you know, now he's happily married to a different woman. And unfortunately, Peggy passed away a few years ago from cancer. And uh, there's a a lot of sadness and and bitterness tied up, Uh, not necessarily with Neil and his family, but uh, within the fandom, I think a lot of people had a hard time with all of that. Yeah. Our heroes are only human, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and toast is kind of, you know, maybe the first inkling that there was trouble in, in paradise, you know? Yeah. Uh, Like real trouble. And that's why he said, Oh, no, going to hold on to this one. Maybe (laughs) we'll call off the lawyers and uh, I'll promise not to release the album, at least in that form. And then we got it this year. And I, th- I think it's a really interesting lesson. Like, like I do enjoy it. Like I said, there is like a veneer of sadness that hangs over it, but there's still some kicking stuff on here. Like it's the horse. It sounds really yeah. good, I think. And it, yeah. It kind of is a good way if you think about it. Like Sleeping with Angels was a different type of darkness. And this is like more of a personal type of darkness, I think. Right. Yeah. And the album uh, Broken Arrow that came out yeah. sort of in between the in between the two uh it was i think them dealing with uh the aftermath of uh david briggs passing away who was you know i think uh an integral part of the whole whole formula and they they weren't quite the same sense not that they uh became horrible but they they weren't quite the same in his absence 
yeah there's there's when i listen to broken arrow i feel like there is something missing in a way and they i feel like that that feeling was intentional was yeah definitely them working through some feelings yeah yeah and it's you know he's always motivated by you know a lot of things like the the uh live album um with promise of the real you know that that whole tour was them dealing with the death of his manager elliot roberts so you know he he likes to sort of process i think things in his life uh, through his music and you know through tours and that was uh definitely evident in those especially the european like that 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 live album is taken from there you go that's a good transition um yeah this is the most recent uh archive releases noise and flowers with promise in the real from that european tour you mentioned what is manager passed is that it yes elliot roberts yeah and he he managed a lot of people but he was always with neil and was you know his right hand man and uh, handled all the important stuff uh, and i mean i don't think his death was that unexpected but still it created a void that you know i think he's been able to fill through his uh various you know members of his family his wife and uh, people have been with him forever I think I'm pretty sure that's Elliot Roberts, like in the sleeve right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they had his picture hanging up there uh, on the stage with him. Very cool. Yeah. But the music, man, I have to say, this was, this really impressed me. Like I, I was impressed when I saw the set list on the CD right away. And it's a lot of classics. Like, like you get helpless, you get Mr. Soul rocking the free world, you know, like you get a lot of stuff that I wouldn't expect to find like all in one place on a CD, just cause like we said, you know, he doesn't play the hits, but it's, there's also some really cool surprises. Everybody knows this is nowhere field of opportunity, Alabama. Uh, are you ready for the country? Like this is a really cool ish like album and it sounds, the band sounds tight. Like I've been listening to this a lot. I really, really like this one. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, that when I caught them, when they were, warming up to that European tour, caught them here in Eugene. And I was surprised how well they sounded then. You know, it might've been their third time playing together uh, for that tour. And they just, they really sounded like, wow, you know, they're, they've been studying or practicing, maybe not with him around, but, and he was able to just, you know, plug himself into the mix and, and it was great. You know, I think he felt really safe playing with them and uh, they were able to do justice to, you know, some real classic songs. Yeah, they, they pull it on the beach, which he never plays. No, no. I, yeah, very jealous of that. I've seen, I've, I saw him bust out um, Ambulance Blues for the first time. In, I oh, think, wow. I think it was like tw- in 25 years or something like that it was at the Bridge benefit in 1998 and he did it and he had some band from Athens, Georgia backing him up. I can't remember. Oh yeah. REM was playing back. It's <laughs> the old, uh, and, uh, yeah. And that person was no, um, the bridge benefits, uh, which we could dedicate a whole uh, conversation oh, yeah. to, uh, those were incredible. And that, that was 
just one of those moments where you didn't think it was real. You know, it's like, is he really doing that song right here, right now? And uh, I envy anyone that saw him do on the beach because that not only that, I love that song and that whole album is just fantastic. Oh yeah. That was a weird one in that I bought that really early on. Uh, just <laughs> when I was kind of in my exploration phase before I really clicked or something. And I, I found that one on e- eBay. I'm like, oh, let me give that a try. And I didn't realize like what an important album in his catalog that was, but I really, I really enjoyed it. Like Revolution Blues and uh, Vampire Blues. Uh, what's the open? The opening song on the album is really cool. Title cut. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, one that I always uh, recommend to people if they're not a. You know, if you want a nice late evening album and you're not looking to dance a whole lot, but it's it's a it's nice and it takes you on a nice journey. Um, I, I recommend that. It's it, but you have to be in the right, I think, mindset. Yeah, it gets a little little dark at the end there. In right. The ambulance blues. Although I've heard it's supposed to be that originally the sides were flipped and it started with side B and ended with side A. I believe you're correct with that. And yeah, I think that was probably one of those last minute type of deals, you know, kind of like uh, uh, Rick Danko uh, convincing him to release Tonight's the Night instead of um, Homegrown, yeah. Homegrown, you know, it's just the flip of the coin, you know, oh yeah, let's, let's, let's open with this song instead, which that's what he did. (laughs) And when you think about it, it changes the flavor of the whole album because I don't know. It, it wouldn't have necessarily been a hopeful ending if it had been that way, but it would have been. It, it's a lot happier than ending with you're all just pissing in the wind. Right. Right. Yeah. He was. He was going through a few, you know, crises. Uh, once again, tied in with bad relationships or relationships that went bad. Right. Um, but that's uh, uh, look at look at the bounty we've all shared. Uh, when his life has gone to hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when things going ba- are going bad, you get tonight's the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a few friends that uh, overdose. Wow, we got the perfect remedy for that. <laughs> uh, girlfriend cheats on you and runs off with another guy. Hey, wait, we can get a couple albums out of that. Yep, Zuma, American Stars and Bars. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, his, uh, his, Horrible time is is our, you know, top ten list of Neil Young albums. That's that's worked out for everybody. I think, I think one of one of my favorite things I've heard someone say is that tonight's the night is the sound of someone pressing pure tequila into vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you get real close to the grooves, you can all almost smell it. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. That's what I loved about the uh, volume two of the archives. That whole um cd it's just you know it's mainly parts of the album but you also get the in-between stuff and you could tell that they uh they were loose to say the least is that the live of the roxy uh no it was the actual uh the the roxy's definitely uh yeah that's that's a they're enhanced in any number of ways but no just the the album cuts you know okay they uh you, you could tell it wasn't, they weren't just, they weren't on tour. They were just recording an album like they were on tour. You know, they were, they were definitely, uh, I don't know if you call it partying, but partaking in, in certain probably substances and liquids and, uh, and then hitting 
record. Interesting. Does that does that have the wraps too, like like the candy bar wrap and all that stuff? Uh oh, you mean the the live album? Yeah. Well, well, well the, the the studio one, like where they're like you know live in studio. Like uh, no, nothing. Yeah, just just them recording, uh, just recording the album. No, but I do like the candy bar wrap. That's, okay. that's, uh, but leave it to him to you know talk about that when he's got people paying to see him. Like oh, uh, fucking Neil, man, fucking Neil. Yep, man. <laughs> I love it. But yet, bring noise and flowers home. I think this is a great release. And if you're a Neil fan, you haven't heard this yet do yourself a favor you're gonna you're, you're in for a good time yeah i the only complaints i've read about it and this is from uh, we'll we'll call them boomers even though they might be closer to my age um <laughs> that there there's not enough space between the songs you know there's not like uh you know it's too condensed there's not like i guess sounds that i'm tuning up or you know sipping from their aluminum water bottles or whatever but uh I thought, well, I mean, but look at all we got. You know, they squeezed right. a lot on on that release, and I right. wouldn't. It's not necessarily trying to capture the live uh, concert experience. I think they could have piped up, you know, the the audience louder if you wanted to do that, or just you know, done like Kiss and just you know, done canned sounds of people cheering. Um, sorry, Kiss. Um, there's uh they deserve it all <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was uh you know it is it's great versions of songs that he doesn't play normally enjoy it because he certainly was absolutely and i think i mean i could be wrong but it seems like with the electric sets he doesn't talk to the audience that much it's just play a song into the next one play a song into the next one and it doesn't help that like it's all those are pulled from different shows too, so right. There's yeah, not it, be that consistency. Yeah, you 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 can't. You don't want to construct something that didn't happen or mislead people. I uh, similar thing, you know, worked uh, in the '90s uh, when the "You're the, uh, the Horse" live album came out. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard that one. I have. I, I like but, that one quite a bit. tied in. Yeah, you got like, you know, Prisoners of Rock and Roll on it. You know, there's there's some good stuff. Um, and, you know, nobody was like, oh, that wasn't like going to one of those shows in 96 or whatever. Uh, it's just good versions of him playing his songs live. And that's, that's enough for me. They, we got enough, you know, official releases of shows and stuff that people have shared over the years. Uh, just enjoy these official releases. Maybe someone new will listen to them and go, wow, this is great. Exactly. Kind of like I did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so the next ones I want to touch on is, it seems to be part of like an ongoing series, uh, like a, a, a sub-level of the archive series. Like there's like the archive releases and there's the official albums and now there's these official bootlegs as there's no there's there the first one was carnegie hall 70 then we got three at once earlier this year we got citizen kane junior blues we got yes. um royce hall 1971 and we got um chantler pavilions 71 like all three of these like in really all four of these in really quick succession and just again more great live neil more from the acoustic era um 
with the exception of Citizen Kane Jr. Blues, they kind of all come from the same era, too. It's that after the gold rush pre-harvest time. Right. But it's fascinating to hear, though. Like, I love that stuff. He, he's, it's a different side of Neil. He's, he's kind of more plain spoken with the audience and interacts a bit. Yeah, he's, you know, he's still new to it. And while he's discovering himself, he still hasn't, you know, he doesn't he doesn't know if a man needs a maid is going to, you know, connect with people. You know, these songs are being played for the first time. Uh, for audiences and you could you know you could tell he was a little reluctant at least in the in the releases that cover that earlier part of it by the end of the year you, you see that he's got a little more confidence he knows that these songs are are going to work and, and I don't think he could have guessed that Harvest was going to be the uh, the monster it was for him but uh, he he was definitely catching lightning in a bottle with with those songs I've heard people say that they're kind of tired of getting releases from that era, but honestly, I don't mind. It's, it's so cool. It's so cool. It's more, it's more Neil. Right. I love it. Yeah. And he does, you know, his, the way he's playing the songs and the way he's talking, you know, he get like I said, he gets more comfortable and, and you can tell he's gained his confidence. Um, but yeah, please. Yeah. If you want to focus on a year for a couple of years, releasing stuff, do it. I can't, I can't wait to hear what comes out. I do want to put, put special attention on Citizen Kane Jr. Blues, though, because this was the one, when I saw it coming out and it was explained what it was, it really caught my eye. I was like, wait, 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 wait. This was like a show after a show, and he just shows up, plays a bunch of on-the-beach stuff that's not even out yet, and a few singles and like a, like a Tonight's the Night track, and then pieces out. I'm like, well, I'm intrigued. Um, it's not the most, you know, this is a bootleg in the, in the purest sense of the word. It's not the most quality recording you're going to hear, but it is fascinating. Right. Like this was after, I forget what show yeah. it was after, but it was in New York at the bottom line. I think Warren Zevon, I think Warren Zevon oh, wow. uh, uh, was, was the headliner that night. And they're like, stick around. Yeah. We've got someone else for you. I don't quote me on that, but I think, I think that's the truth. Can I just say a dream show would be Warren Zevon and Neil Young co-headlining right. together? Oh, right. That would be incredible. Yeah, that I, the, I'm building a time machine just to go to different concerts. I think it would be the easiest way to travel because you could just land out near yeah. near the venue, go in, see the show, get back and take off and hopefully not change the course of, of human history. Yeah. And just sidebar, they did do a song together. Uh, eventually they did uh uh neil sings on what's what's it called from transverse city uh strength uh, uh splendid isolation yes yeah and, and uh warren i believe did the uh, benefit in the uh early 90s but i don't know if they formed anything together but yeah they were definitely friends yeah. um as most of those guys out there were whether they wanted to be or not yeah, he like they were all kind of part of that Laurel Canyon scene. Although I'm not sure how Warren really slots into that, but because he was a little more uh, extreme. But yeah, he was part of that scene. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if he ended up in Malibu like everyone else seemed to when when they left the canyon for the coastline. 
you know, I'm sure he played a part of that too, but yeah, they, they all had strange trajectories uh, out of the can- Canyon to say the least. I mean, Zivon was touring with the, the Everly brothers. He was their musical director, which uh, blows my mind. Like, <laughs> can I just say this makes me so happy because I've been wanting to do a Warren Seavon episode too. So you'll probably have to come back, and we'll probably have to talk about Warren in the future. Because sure, I sure, just, why not? I just adore his music. But yeah, to, to bring it back to Citizen Kane Junior Blues, it was after a Warren Seavon show, and he just kind of showed up to play some new songs. And what a set list it is! You get long, you get a uh, uh, pushing it over the end, you get Long May You Run, you get Green Sleeves for some reason, uh, like the traditional folk song Green Sleeves, you get Ambulance Blues, you get Helpless, Revolution Blues, On the Beach, Roll Another Number for the Road, Motion Pictures, Pardon My Heart, and Dance, Dance, Dance. That's just insane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He comes out and does the encore. He goes, I'll play a fast one and a slow one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so he does pardon my heart and then dance, 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 which, yeah, like a man, I would have been worth uh, calling in sick the next day if you if weren't planning on staying out that late. But uh, that once again, that's one of those shows that had existed uh, in the grading circles for a while. And they, you know, they cut out some of the banter for the, the release. But if you go on um, the archives, I believe they if you listen to the album, uh, there's a extra track, which is the whole unedited show that they'll Ooh. let you listen to. Yeah. Well, you, you might have sealed up my Friday plans then. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's worth it. And, he, you know, he talks about just about everything. He was pretty talkative that night for, for him. Um, but I think it was an interesting time in his life where he was just figuring out a whole bunch of stuff. I do think it's funny that like one moment that kind of like catches me off guard every time is he's doing ambulance blues and I'm just so used to kind of like when I listen to it I I'm just kind of like trying to vibe on it and listen to the words and just be like wow and then he gets to the part where he says you're all just pissing in the wind and the audience laughs it's like it like pulls you out of the moment a little bit but it's kind of funny because you're like oh yeah they haven't heard this yet they're not as right. transfixed as you are by this classic that's happening right now yeah and it you know it does come out of nowhere too it's kind of like whoa <laughs> i i think it's you know people laughing at it. also that sort of nervous laughter like is he singing about us is he singing about critics is he his friends you know like uh he's not he's not messing around but yeah it, it i know exactly what you're talking about it's like yeah this is, <laughs> it's hitting hitting differently because it is it's a brand new experience for everybody I'm and I'm sure, sorry, go ahead. I'm sure it's like Woodstock, you know, but there's 500 people there, but there are probably 3,000 walking around saying that they were there that night. Probably. <laughs> I'm curious. So you said you had you heard this one before it was released, like, you know, like back in the, the tape trading days? Yes. Yeah. So is this any better then? Is this cleaned up to be a little better than what you, what you had heard? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's the same recording, but I think they've got a, you know, a lower generation and they did some you know, equalizing or whatever. Uh, but, and, and like I said, the, the official release has a couple of things edited out just to make, you know, space for the, for the music, but it's not, 
Uh, it was always a, a decent audi- audience tape. Now it's a slightly better decent yeah. audience tape. Yeah, it's not terrible. Like it's, it's no. something that I've been able to, like I, I've never played the whole thing for my wife, but I can sneak on a track from it every now and then. She doesn't go. What are we listening to? Like, she, like it. Like if you <laughs> if you put on the right number, it's like, oh, we're just listening to Neil Young. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. I uh, I grew up in a house with a with a mom who did not like Neil Young's voice. Oh man. Yeah, and she would always you know give me a stern look when I was playing it. So I that's when I purchased headphones. <laughs> made everybody happy well then you get to hear more <laughs> exactly yeah it still took me you know I, I to this day i can listen to all sorts of artists and hear stuff that i just didn't pick up you know the gazillion other times i've i've listened to something oh, yeah. which it blows my mind um, headphones do help especially with that lay noise album with hitchhiker I need to do that. I've only done that just on the stereo. I need to give that a proper headphone. Yeah. yeah. You, I, I want to do that with like, I, I, I kind of intend to do that with like every album that like really strikes me. And that's one I'd like to. I want to do it with American Stars and Bars, especially with, uh, what's, what's, I can't remember the name of the trippy song he recorded in his living room. Like, it's like right before like a hurricane, but right after Star of Bethlehem, I think. Like, oh, um, it, it was like recorded like on a tape recorder or something and like it was pulled out right. of the set like, ah. gotta so, go in the magic needle drawer to f- find the name of the yeah. song here we go um will to love will to love yes yeah there's yeah. All, all kinds of like little like audio verte going on in there because it's just recorded off the air right yeah it's kind of like the song soldier you know it's it, it sound you know can hear the wood uh, burning in the background. You know, I, I just love that. You, if you could smell it, you know, it would be uh, even better. But yeah, it's not trying to be slick. You know, it's not uh, a sterile environment. He's he's you know someplace doing the song, which you know, we're all for. And during the pandemic, I mean, he was doing those barn concerts, which is basically him with his chickens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. No one else could pull that off but him. It's like, makes perfect sense. Anyone else would be like, who's that fool out there with chickens? But right. There was Neil something Young's that just, it. Yeah, it just seems so right. Neil Young singing Homegrown to his chickens. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. I loved a lot of the, the things that artists were doing for their fans. Um, and I was glad he, he did that. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, the beauty of technology um it's definitely one of the one of the highlights of of anything i'll look back on that over a lot of other things yeah well i will say uh city slinking junior blues is my favorite of the bootleg series so far um i don't know if he's got any more of these slotted but i I hope there's some coming and I personally would love a live album. Like I'd be fascinated to hear something from the trans tour because that's, that's an era I'm kind of obsessed with, but yeah. Yeah. That would be great. All really cool. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, before we move to the next section, I think I want to play another song. So I'm going to pick something from one of these archive releases. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with um, Field of Opportunity from Noise and Flowers. I've been wrong before 
Excellent. All right, we're back. So the other one, one of the other ones I wanted to touch on was uh, the first Neil Young album proper to come out since I've been a fan. That wasn't like a archive or boot, like a bootleg release or like something like Homegrown, which was recorded and shelved. Uh, Barn, this kind of snuck up on us last year, this new Neil Young album with Crazy Horse. And I, man, I was primed and ready for this thing. I think you gave me the code to get the archives like right before this came out. So like I was, I was living in the Neil Young world nice. at that point. Like I was just, I was primed for all things Neil and man, this thing did not disappoint. I, re I really like this album. Um, and that might just be because I'm such a new fan, but it, it, there's a lot of cool stuff on here. I like heading West. It's very reflective. I like changing never gonna. It's kind of a cool song. Canarican. It's another just rager. Um, I like, right. they might be, I like they might be lost a bit, quite a bit. It's, this thing is just so cool. What, what, what's your reaction as a longtime fan? Did you, did you dig this one? Yeah. And it's an interesting album because it's it sort of, you know, just picks up and you're thinking, Oh, like, all right. Where, where is this going to go? It's, it's not going to be a blistering, you know, we're, we're going to come firing out of the gates, but it just picks up speed as you go along, even, you know, uh, by the end of it. There, it, I don't know if it's, you know, sequenced uh, in the order that it was recorded, but they definitely tighten up by the end of the album. And it, it's, it's a nice journey. And you're wondering exactly what he's... Uh, what he's doing but you know once again he's very reflective i think it's the company he's keeping but also you know the current times uh you know colorado i think was more of a you know a, a broader overview of things that are going on i think this is more of his his personal side and uh it it's got some really really good music in it and you know by the end of it you kind of wish there was was more you know i wish there was a couple more tracks on there because I think they they would have just been knocking them out of the park at that point. Uh, it's a it's a great album. Uh, it's definitely unexpected. Like you said, it just came out of nowhere. Um, I'm I'm excited. Uh, you know, they're recording or have recorded with Rick Rubin for their next album, oh, wow. and yeah, I have no idea what that'll mean as long as he's not mastering the uh, release. <laughs> Uh, I think it's got a chance to being really good, but um, they, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're definitely settled into this new version of crazy horse. And uh, I hope, uh, I hope it gets released. You know, it's the only, yeah. I don't have to, I don't care, uh, you know, how many songs are on it or what. I just want to hear it. You know? Same. Yeah, it, it definitely came out of the gate interesting too because when I saw there was a new single with Crazy Horse out, I was like, okay, this is going to be a rocker. And the first thing we got was um, Song of the Seasons. I'm like, oh, this is nice and gentle and right, very very acoustic. Not a bad song, just like not what I expected. Yeah, exactly. And then when you get the album, it opens with that. And then the next thing you know, you're like thrust right into like, okay, this is, this is Crazy Horse, by the way. So you get, you know, heading west, so yeah you get a little taste of everything yeah and uh, and i like that he's you know he's given a, a that sort of variety you know he doesn't feel like it's got to be you know a totally rocking album he's just uh, enjoying enjoying the whole process and 
uh, I, that's one thing I haven't watched the, uh, the movie barn, you know, it's yeah. like the, the, the production of it, but, um, I'll catch it one of these times, you know, there's already a bunch of stuff I haven't watched, not only on his website, but all over the internet. And, uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to watch that someday. I want to watch the noise, noise and flowers, uh, concert film too, which yeah. I hear great things about. Yeah, there's there's supposed to be a hidden track there too. Apparently, like stay through the credits, you get another song. He's not afraid to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, when he got back together with Crazy Horse a few years ago, there was you know they released a video and it was just them. The music was just them warming up in the studio, but it was I don't know how many minutes long, twenty or thirty minutes long, just Crazy Horse playing together, and people were going nuts. Like this is this is new music, you know. This isn't just a simple backing right. track so um i think he does that too with uh i don't know if you've seen the heart of gold movie I, it's on my watch list i realize i'm starting to realize there's a lot more neil young media out there than i thought there was like there's that like he made like a few movies like consistently like wasn't there one after that too and then there's there's that road rock dvd and there's a silver and gold dvd yeah there's, there's uh rust yeah, Sleeps live yeah yeah um live rust uh is uh it is great that era and to have rust never sleeps um that what a great what a great uh movie that was you know i had vhs copy of it a couple of times and then dvd and then blu-ray you know once again one of those uh things that you just uh buy over and over again because it's 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 one of my favorites you're the horse movie too also uh he he he's not afraid to you know give fans little glimpses of those periods uh usually right when it's happening you know you know we look back and he has all these archival stuff but you know, he he releases a lot of stuff uh around the time when it's made too but Russ never sleeps, and Neil, I don't think, sleeps a whole lot either. No. His brain is always turning. And, like, it's kind of like, it's like, again, like I keep referencing Prince, but it's true. Like, you just, you keep writing, and you're like a shark. If you stop swimming, you die. Yeah. So, yeah. He's just going to keep swimming. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, at this point, what else would he do? You know, he's going to create something, uh, something musical, maybe something visual uh, attached to it. But, yeah, it's it's incredible to see him, you know, just continue on the journey. And uh, it, who knows what lurks around the corner? Because it's uh, it's it's bound to be, uh, you know, something new. And uh, hopefully, uh, like like I emphasized before, hopefully we'll get all of it and not, you know, one one track from whatever sessions or you know one video from from a live performance. Yeah, and I think Barn continues, you know, his, just his art in a wonderful way. And I love, there's also a hopefulness in it. You know, it was an album that came out in a time when things were pretty bleak. And it ends, you know, with Don't Forget to Love. It's just this simple little message. But right. man, that really strikes you at the end of the album when you listen to those, like that simple little set of lyrics. But like, they're so true. They're so yeah. true. You've been hit with all this intensity before that. But that, that little statement at the end of the album just kind of sums it all up. Yeah, yeah, he kind of, yeah, he's, 
it's like it's very personal, very reflective, um, and and certainly not meant to to scare you. It's to just to kind of hold on to you and give you give you hope um, that uh, I think we need and needed then and still need. You know, instead of all the doom and gloom, uh, maybe like okay, we can we can outlast this like we've outlasted other things. Yeah, love goes a long way, kids. No matter who's telling you, love's love's all right. Yep, he's he's an eternal hippie in the truest sense, and I, I salute him for that. Definitely one of the good ones too. Yeah, one of the good ones. <laughs> Not one of those bad hippies. Yeah, or like people that jump that jump ship. I I I I, need, I know I need to listen to Psychedelic Pill because I feel like I keep hearing there's a song on there where he kind of critiques, you know, people from that generation. You know, like you know, like you guys stood said you stood for something and you didn't like, i think walk I, like a walk like a giant i think that song. yeah yeah that that and that song especially the live versions that song was huge i didn't see that tour but they they would take that giant out for like a 20 minute walk Whoa. and that uh, yeah he, he's not afraid you know you think of uh thrasher he, uh, you know, he's taken swipes at, I think, Crosby, Stills, and Nash for the most part. Um, and then uh, Hippie Dream um, it, from the 80s, uh, you know, that was a, that was a mainly uh, a swipe at David Crosby and what he'd done with his life. Um, but yeah, he's, he's roll another number, you know, he's not going to go back to Woodstock for a while. Um, you know, he's, he's always had that love-hate relationship because of the hypocrisy and and excess and and all that that came out of what was supposed to save the world um but he's he's not been afraid to to rock the boat and has continued to do it not at all yeah that's i i really do admire him for that like he could easily have like you know towed the line you know kept things to himself that he just does what he wants and he, he, he continues to stick to it what, whatever he says and put out an album he doesn't care if it sells 10 or ten thousand copies he just he believes in it so it's yeah really admirable and, and he's got people that believe in him and allow him to do it you know he's i mean he's on a major label yet he he pretty much puts out whatever he wants now and and as he should yep and, and Part of it might be the label has learned what happens when you try to right. when you try to poke in on on him now, you you, you get everybody's rocking if you try to exactly yeah no, no nobody puts uh, baby in the corner you know and Neil Young is not not uh, been afraid yeah I I would love someone to make a movie it doesn't necessarily have to involve David Giffen and Neil Young but just. Uh, a relationship between uh, a label and an artist where the artist is just going out of his way to, to frustrate the <laughs> label. You could, you know, it wouldn't have just trolling your boss <laughs> that bad. is It's hilarious. I don't know how much money it cost him in the long run, but uh, he got the last laugh. I mean, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I always wondered like what, like what went through David Geffen's head when Freedom came out? Like if he if he went and checked it out like on release and he was just like, oh yeah, bitch, yeah, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You go Freedom 
and then um, Harvest Moon. I, I mean, he would have loved uh, Neil to release an album like Harvest Moon, you know, ten yeah. years before. But and, yeah, I, I wonder sometimes what would have happened if they let him put out Trans and just said, "Okay, whatever you got next is fine." Like if they let right. him put out the original like uh, Old Ways. What would the trajectory have been then? <laughs> it was, right. It's fascinating to speculate. Yeah. But we still have I, got a Rockabilly album. Exactly. Yeah. The, I, it would have, might've been like a one-off song, you know, on, on, cause I think he had fun doing that sort of sound, but he probably wouldn't even have gone in that direction. Uh, the old ways uh, sessions. I haven't heard a lot of the original stuff, but um, I can't wait until that finally sees the light of day because I'd love to hear uh, what the album was originally intended to sound like. Same. Uh, I, uh, I I don't know if you've heard the the live album. Uh, no, I'm looking for a copy of that right now. I'm trying to find a CD of that. It, it, it's good, you know. I, I guess it, it's on the archives. I could stream it. I just realized. Yeah. Well, you can listen yeah. to it, dude. It's right there. <laughs> It'll be right there for you. You can choose how how good it sounds too i yeah it's it's great to be able to like oh i really wish i could listen oh i could put it on my phone and, and listen to it but I, I i'm a sucker even you know i love cds um but uh there is something to be said about just having a little digital player and you can just yeah scroll to whatever it is and play it click a button yeah yeah, I, sidebar. I love Old Ways, by the way. I think that's a really underrated, untalked about album. I think there's some cool stuff there. Like it's, it's a fascinating listen. And it's not that far removed from Harvest. A little, right. A little, little bit is. I mean, but he's got. It's interesting. He's got some like you know country stars of the day on there. I think Waylon Jennings is on there, and I think so yeah. is Willie Nelson. Yes. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Like you, uh, you know, he went all in on that. Uh, country sound and uh, i i thought like you i thought it worked well uh and i hope that the other tracks that exist from that period uh live up to my expectations yeah totally yeah fascinating stuff international harvesters i think was the band right yes and he was yeah. touring if I, I read somewhere was wasn't he touring with david allen Coe as his opening act at the time i think so at least for part of it what a bizarre combination that is. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I saw David Allen Coe once when I was in North Carolina. It's yeah. definitely, it was interesting to say the least. Um, I, I didn't know at that time, you know, their connection, but I would have never imagined it uh, while right. I was standing there. Right, definitely yeah. two different worlds. I enjoy some of his stuff. I have his hits collection. Oh yeah. I, I enjoy it. Uh, controversial figure for sure, but you know, enjoyable stuff. Right. I, I, I love the ride. I love, um, please come to Boston. There's, there's so, so much good stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. Another talented artist, but like you said, certainly controversial. Rock and roll, <laughs> for sure. I know. Just the first time I heard of that in country, like I was, I did not know what was coming. Let me put it to you: the the year was twenty twenty, and I didn't know it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's funny, you know. Uh, there's the mainstream representation of of you know that 
that genre through the years. And then, you know, you get, thankfully, thankfully in this age, even if there's not an official release, somebody has ripped something to YouTube and you get to hear it, even if yeah. it's, you know, got scratches and whatnot. But yeah, David Allen Coe certainly need, didn't need my support through the years. Yeah, um, not at all. Still out there touring. Yeah, I know. He, he seemed old. God, it was 27 years ago, I think, when I saw him. So he's, and yeah, now, now I'm old. So, <laughs> that was an interesting sidebar. Um, I'm gonna throw right? tra- I'm gonna throw in another track here before we do our next little section. I, I'm gonna I'm, uh, you pick something from Barn. What should I play? Uh, I would go with uh, the they might is it they might be lost. They might be they might be lost. Yes, great tune. Yeah, it sounds like it almost could uh, fit in the Greendale uh, world. Uh, you think maybe this is another one of those deals that that went bad, or they just have bad GPS, which we can really also. Yeah. All right. Here's a. They might be lost. Should have been here by now. It's way past 4:20, and I'm sitting waiting for the boys to come get the goods. Changing, you know. 
guess that's what she thought But I can't see them And that's all I know I wonder if they might be lost That's a great song. I, I kind of always imagine because of the way it starts where they're talking about waiting on the people to come get the stuff. I always imagine there's like a drug deal going down in the song, like a Breaking Bad situation. Yeah, you don't know. Are they, yeah, they, they're to pick up uh, drugs or, you know, did you list something on, you know, the Facebook marketplace to come to get a couch, you know? <laughs> is, is deal getting like imported parts for the link vault that it's yeah. not supposed to have? <laughs> Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, new new electronics. Uh, he's uh, he, he keeps it vague enough that you can just fill in whatever backstory you want. Such such a cool movie of a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I gotta tell you, Tracy, this has been a lot of fun do, doing this. Like, I, I I've been wanting to do this. Neil Neil's kind of hard to do a podcast on because it's like, where do you go? There's so much we could get into. We could get, go on to off ramps on like everything from the trans era to uh chrome dreams which never came out you know like there, there's all there's just a lot of stuff to talk about so i appreciate you coming on here and just kind of indulging this loose format to kind of talk about neil for a bit of course it's uh i love to talk about neil young and i appreciate you having me on anytime uh we could dive into anything i mean you you name it he's got uh all sorts of different paths that we could go down because that's that's what he does that's what i love and apparently you love too welcome aboard yeah well welcome to the welcome to the youngsters the, i don't know that's that that was what, like the fan name that i heard online the youngsters that's good yeah yeah i uh, gotta keep it going forward i i guess uh, us old people were just rust we're rusty yeah. I'm not even the oldest. I think as some of, you know, we're talking about my parents' generation. That's, that's what's crazy, you know? Right. Like more people known for Buffalo Springfield, like, you know, as you get older, like they're like, oh yeah, he was part of that band that did For What It's Worth. Yep. Or they know, or they know Ohio or Help yep. Us or something like that. So yeah, it's that's, crazy. Yeah, it's still, still not only, you know, putting stuff out, putting new stuff out. 
very rarely re-recording stuff. If he's re-recorded something, it was probably unreleased to begin with. It's just a newer, newer uh, version of the song, which must be nice. Yeah, like the wheels keep turning. Whereas like, you know, you could say some of his contemporaries, I don't know if Graham and Stills do much anymore. I know David puts out a new release ever, every so often and not everything is written by him, but like he's definitely the most prolific of his peers, I think. Yeah, these days, um, you know, I, I, it's for whatever reason, Stephen Stills stopped making new music uh, quite a few years ago. But I think he still has at least the, the chops to, to pull it off if he wanted to. Graham Nash sort of floats in the middle of there. He's had a few tours. And I think he's got an album coming out, but it might be a live album. I hadn't really investigated a whole bunch. Crosby, uh, he's put out three albums or so in the past three or four years maybe yeah. even more than that of new material which you know good for him um uh we could dedicate a whole podcast to david crosby but yeah what go watch the documentary people if you want to learn about a really interesting figure yes <laughs> seen a lot done a lot and it's not afraid to talk about it Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I just love how frank he is in that in that one. That was another one I was watching with my wife who knows nothing about David Crosby. And she just, she's just like, I like him. He's, he's not holding anything back. Right, like, yeah. When they're at the at the grocery store that like all the Laurel Canyon people used to shop at, he goes, just a grocery store. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing special about it. It's just a grocery store. Yeah, he's, uh, I, I, I do enjoy him. Uh, I, you know, I never had to work with him professionally, so maybe that would change my opinion on him. But <laughs> I tend to fall more in the Crosby camp, I guess, of the four of those guys. That, you know, yeah, yes, I said it. So what? Yeah, and I love his last record. I, I, I haven't dove too much in this stuff, but I thought for free was a really good album. So I'll say that too. I've only heard uh, parts of it, but um, I mean, I love, I love the title track, of course. But oh yeah, great song, and the song that Donald Fagan of Steely Dan wrote the lyrics to, "Rodriguez for the Night." Oh, that's that's that's, a, that's such a cool song. Maybe I'll have to visit that this evening. That, that would definitely be worth it. Um, I wanted to speculate on the future a little bit. So uh, there's Crazy Horses working on something with uh, Rick Rubin, and you know how much can you speculate with Neil? He could just decide tomorrow, like I'm going to put out a polka al polka album. I don't know why. Yes, I'm just going to do it. But I, I feel like he's there's definitely going to be more records. I don't I think Neil stops making albums when he's dead. Uh, right. And, and even then there will be stuff that continues to surface. Yeah. Yeah. Think of all the stuff. He's probably got a stack of things like, you know, when I pass on, start releasing it. But he's um, yeah, you never know what's coming up next. But I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Rick Rubin. I, I've enjoyed a lot of stuff Rick Rubin has, has done. I joked about his mastering, which I, I'll say is questionable, um, especially Red Hot Chili Peppers releases. Um, I, I like I like what he's able to bring out of artists, though. I think he's I think he gives artists enough space, um, yet you know gives them a little structure so they don't wander too far from the shore. And hopefully, you know, uh, Crazy Horse will amaze this once again because they definitely have potential yeah he's a good coach he just needs to stay the heck away from the mixing board 
Yeah, exactly. Just like let someone with uh, maybe his ears are shot or he just loves it brick walled because that's that's what he does. He's real yeah. good at that. I could do that. Hire me. I could brick wall your yeah. your master. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll be curious to see what it is because I have trouble. Like I know Neil's collaborated with producers in the past. He did the album, you know, with uh, Len- Lenoir, but he's someone like Prince. I have a hard time imagining someone producing him. Like I have a hard time just imagining him kind of letting go of control. Or right. Maybe, maybe he doesn't give total control for all the Rick Rubin. Like it's, right. It might be on a limited basis. Yeah, I you know I don't know how long they've been friends. I think he was involved somewhat in the Toast uh, recordings. Interesting. I think I read that. Um, just sort of on hand, not an official producer, but sort of on hand when those were being recorded. But um, it sounds like they've been, you know, working up to something for quite a quite a long time, and I guess uh, the stars have aligned and and allowed it to happen. And we can only hope that it leads to maybe a tour, you know. Yeah, fingers crossed that the, the Live Nation will put enough money in front of his face that it'll be like, ah, okay, please, and please have something close. It doesn't necessarily have to be in Oregon. I understand it's hard for acts to come to Oregon, Washington, Northern California, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I, or, and Southern California, San Diego, preferably. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, yeah, they're not afraid to, to go down there. He's definitely going to get him down there. I just feel uh, this part of I-5 is avoided somehow. I don't know where the tour buses go, but they don't seem to come through Oregon <laughs> quite as often as I'd like to. Uh, you gotta gotta keep an eye out for Archives Volume Three, which I guess uh, it's going to be a multimedia sort of deal. You know, a lot more video uh, tied in with the audio. I think he's aiming to release it mainly as a DVD release. I mean, there'll be the audio parts of it, but for the full experience, I guess you have to watch it. Um, yeah, it's a very Neil thing to do. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be lined up. Yeah, same here. Same here. God, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. To, so the future, the future is bright for Neil Young. I think it's a good time to be a Neil Young fan between the archives and the new music. Like there's always going to be something going on in the Neilverse. Yeah. And, you know, uh, people can jump on board at any part of his, his career and they can ignore all of his new stuff and have, you know, a good 20, 30 years of stuff. I'm um, a lot more than you get from uh, most artists. You know, you could, he put out more stuff in the seventies than most people did, you know, over their entire careers. Uh, oh yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's stopped forcing you to listen to his new stuff. Uh, and he's uh, not afraid to, when he's allowed to share uh, stuff he's recorded in the past. Not to bring this back to David Geffen again, but uh, <laughs> there are some holes in the archive. <laughs> yeah, I noticed Trans hasn't gotten a proper reissue yet. Yeah, I have I have a CD, but it's like a German copy. Yeah. And I noticed that hasn't gotten like a proper reissue yet. Or um, I don't think everybody's rocking has either or old ways. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, those are all tied up for what, I don't know if they have to wait till 
Mr. Geffen passes or if there's just something, some hurdle uh, that has yet to be jumped over before that stuff gets a proper treatment. But um, yeah, I've got, I've got that CD. I also have a vinyl copy. I had a friend, uh, God love him. Uh, his name is Doug. He, uh, for my birthday, he, he got me uh, a good portion of Neil's catalog on LP. Nice. Like out of the blue. Yeah. It was like an instant collection of, of Neil's records. And uh, I've enjoyed that and added to it here and there, but um, uh, that's been a lot of fun too. And, but he, Neil's been really good about re-releasing stuff that sometimes even sounds better than the original, original uh, vinyl copies, which is great. I, I really want to pick up El Dorado uh, because I love that uh, EP. Um, and now that it's on, on vinyl, I, I need to treat myself eventually. I, I need to sit down and listen to that. I got the CD. I just need to sit down and listen to it. It just came. Out. Yeah, if you if you go online, go to uh, go to the archives. Look at the summer sessions tracks. Yeah. Those are that's stuff that he recorded around that time, which are like the the, the softer songs on Freedom, and then uh, El Dorado is more of the the heavier stuff that ended up on Freedom. And it's it it's a it's a pretty good picture of exactly you know how many ways Neil Young can divide himself uh, at, at, even within a matter of months. It's I, it's. I was checking out summer songs today. I didn't know it was playable until today. I was like, yeah. oh, oh sweet that you can actually listen to these. I didn't think it was available yet. So. Yeah, there's no cover art for it. It looks like it's you know to come, but yeah, I think it was around, I think it was his Christmas gift. The, the okay. people last year uh, yeah that's yeah. why I, yeah i never bothered clicking on it because there's no cover up i was like let me just see the track list today and then i hit a song on accident to start to play i was like wait a minute <laughs> right this is this, oh. is this is playable <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's great and he you know he's been sharing different shows from different eras i think the latest one is from maybe 2018 yeah a solo acoustic show always good very cool well yeah thank you again tracy this is this has been a lot of fun to, to bring it all home do you have a favorite deep cut i could close it out with like to wrap wrap the show up oh like just like i mean there's i'm sure you can think of a million but like just one that really comes to mind you just always love to go to well give me a moment here pause the recorder um i would say uh on the beach and uh revolution blues i don't know if nice. you that that's got uh my favorite uh rhythm section you've got rick danko on bass and levon helm on drums and neil young singing about uh the charles manson uh, <laughs> sort of aftermath uh great tune um definitely comes right at you and uh, it's one of the highlights of of like i said probably my favorite neil young album just a, that's a good pick, man. I love that one. Uh, I, I see 10,000 doom buggies coming down the mountain. So, so yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm a barrel of laughs, you know, like he's talking <laughs> about shit. It's just, it's the whole, the whole track. And it, just listen to Rick. Rick Danko is a madman on, but he's playing the bass in a very Danko sense. And that's the best way I can put it. It's a, it's a great track. 
this is gonna sound random, but are you familiar with that friends meme template where one of them like makes really big eyes like when they realize something? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so there, there's one that says David Crosby listening to Revolution Blues and it has him like kind of like hmm, at first one then it says like all those stars in like Laurel Canyon, I, 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 I hate them all and I, like I'll kill them in their cars. And then it's, yeah. like, it shows them going like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta send that to you. That's that makes yeah. Me please do. Oh, that's great, Tracy. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for doing this with me, and uh, it's great to have a Neil Young friend. And now I know a Warren Zevon friend as well because that that that's gonna that's gonna be a fun one too. When whenever we get around to that, bring it on. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm just curious. Are you like like you know the whole Warren Zevon catalog, right? I do. I don't own nearly enough of it, especially compared to other collections. But yeah, he's uh, been interesting uh, going back and listening to his releases because he's he's definitely had his uh, eras and, and sounds. Um, and that, it, uh, you know, I was unaware of the Hindu Love Gods uh, oh. uh, album. I just never... I, for some reason, I, I passed me by back then, but that would have, I would have totally been into that had I, had it been on my radar and somehow it didn't. Okay. And that brings, that wraps up REM as a backup band, Prince and Warren Zevon. Uh, in, how how about one, that? Into one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not too bad. And I got to ask, as you mentioned, you've been to the bridge school benefit. Have you, were you at the one with Tom Waits? I was not. No. Okay. I was going to be like, you lucky looking man. No, I did the 98, which had Fish and REM and I think Sarah McLaughlin and Bare Naked Ladies. Um, and then I did 2004 um, that had Red Hot Chili Peppers, Tony Bennett, and some old guy from Liverpool named <laughs> Paul Macca, Paul McCartney, which Seeing Neil Young and Paul McCartney do Only Love Can Break Your Heart, uh, probably one of my all-time favorite experiences live. I just, I was, I, it was an out-of-body experience. I could only imagine. I didn't even know that happened. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Love it. Yeah. I, there's rumors that they might come back in one form or another, the, the bridge benefits, but uh, right now that's, that's all it stands at. That would be nice because that was always a, a fun weekend. I, o I only did one show of the weekends that I went to. Um, some some of those hardcore people will go to both nights, which is great. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Tracy. Uh, thanks, Alex. Until next time, I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll.
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.